Well, guys, um, tonight, if you have your Bible, open up to the book of Proverbs. But right in the middle of your Bible in the Old Testament, Psalm well, guys, Proverbs, um, chapter tonight, 16. If you have your Bi- well, guys, um, tonight, if you have your Bible, nine. well, guys, night, um, that and probably quite a few others. But uh, before we get into this, why don't we go to the Lord in prayer um, and just ask his blessing upon us. And then you know together. what that does? It just frustrates the bejeweled. Heavenly Father, Father, anybody have that problem besides me? God, I pray Yikes. The joy it is to be able to be here in this place. Father God, outside these walls, in this world, and then you know what that does? It just frustrates the believers out of you. Anybody have that problem besides me? With technology, it's full of yikes, stress. Got a, a place that often preys on our fears and our. Lord God, here in this place, Lord God, amongst your people, Father, your word says we're in your presence. Because God, where two or three are gathered, Father, we we come to you right now as our as our sanctuary, as our rock, our firm foundation, the one we can hold on to in the midst of life, in the midst of the storms that come our way. And God, tonight we we desire to to feel that presence, God, that we know is here. Lord God, you, you dwell here, you dwell within us as your people. But Father, I, I just pray tonight you would just manifest yourself in a way, God, that, we, that there is no mistaking whatsoever, God, that you showed up here in this place. God, you've given me this message this week, Father, but tonight, God, I pray that you use my mouth and my brain simply as your tool to speak to your people. Father, I submit myself to you, God, and I pray that we would all be able to do that, God, in this moment, just to be able to put the distractions aside and to be able to focus in upon you and upon what your word has to say. God, your word is an amazing thing, and it declares that greater are you that is in us, that is he who is in the world. So, Father, reign in this place, reign in these moments, and be glorified for this message in Jesus' name. Amen. You ever feel like you just need prayer? Boy, tonight's one of them one nights where it's just like, man, I just feel like a heaviness for whatever reason tonight. And I just, uh, I tell you, we, we need God all the time. And there's just some other, there's just some times where we realize it just a little bit more than others. But uh, anyways, who has ever wondered or has ever asked yourself the question, God, what in the world is your will? You ever asked that question? Like, what's your will for my life? And how, how do I even know that it's your will for my life? Like, how do I hear from you? How can I know even what your will is? To, I mean, how can I even hear your voice so I can decipher what that is? I, you know, I think that is probably one of the most asked questions by Christians that there, are, that there is. It's just, it's this question of, of, God, what do you want from me? What do you want from my life? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? You know, I think from the time um, we're young, I mean, people that are at least mindful of the Lord and have a desire to live for Him, they ask questions of God such as, you know, God, who should I date? God, should I go to college? And if so, where? What kind of career should I pursue? Who should I marry? Should I have kids? And if so, how many? Should I buy a house or run an apartment? And if I do buy a house, which one? And should I go to church? And if I go to church, which one should I go to? Should I serve in that church? And what capacity, if I'm supposed to serve, should I serve? And then there's stuff like as we get further on in life, like 
hey, I'm in the, I'm in the midst of life working, and there's this job opportunity out here. And, and I go, God, huh, is this your will? Am I supposed to take this? Am I supposed to go here, go there? Then there's questions like, hey, Northern Illinois, the weather really stinks here. God, what do you think about moving south? I mean, is that okay? Um, I mean, who, who ever thought about just random stuff like that? And you just wonder, boy, is this just something that's festering in my stomach, or is this something that's actually God speaking and God moving in us? You know, for the really serious Christians, they can't help but wonder, like, God, if, if there is a will for my life, will you ever call me to something, like, really cool? Or like really big and if so what's that going to look like like would you ever call me to do something like you did some of these characters we read about in the Bible and, and I think just throwing some of these things out there I'm, I'm sure I'm hitting the nerve somewhere because I'm, I'm sure if you're like me you probably ask yourself a lot of those questions at some point in your life but the trouble with those questions really for most of us, is, is how in the world do we find the answers to those things? You know, how, how is it that we just know that this is something that God is calling us to do? Because it's not like God speaks to us anymore in like an audible voice. You know, I don't, I don't hear too many stories of the finger of God writing down a wall somewhere like you did in the old days, like we read about in the Bible. You know, we don't, we don't see that anymore, so how, how do we know it's Him? What if we make a decision and, and get it wrong? What if I miss something that he's calling me to do? God, how do I know your, what your will is? Well, that's kind of what we're, what we're going to be talking about here tonight. And to hopefully bring some understanding to this, we're going to be looking at this one verse that has been on my mind this week, but it's a verse that I read a, many, many years ago that has always stuck with me. And it's Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 9 that says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. This verse has always intrigued me because in this verse we see this glimpse of this great mystery of how the free will of man and the sovereignty of God meet. The reality for our lives as humans is that God did not make us robots, did he? We are not pre-programmed to do whatever it is that he's called us to do. No, he created us with a free will. He expects us to make decisions. Our entire lives are packed full of decisions, and we're responsible for making them. Just like this verse says, a man's heart plans his way. God expects us to do that. We should not just sit idly by, letting life and the world around us direct us. We in our lives, we're expected by God to make a plan and have a plan for our lives. However, on the other side of this, we see the sovereignty of God. God is absolutely sovereign. He's in absolute control. He has a plan for our lives. In fact, Scripture is clear that every detail of our life from beginning to end was planned out by God before we were conceived. He knows exactly what, what he wants us to accomplish in our lives, and he is directing every step of our lives along the way to make sure that we get to his desired end. And so how do these two things work together? How is it that God expects us to, to make a plan, and yet at the same time he's directing the course of our lives? And the bigger question is, is what in the world does this have to, anything to do with finding God's will for our life? 
as we think about that, we're going to be looking at basically like four different ideas that I want to consider for a few moments from this verse that I hope at the end of it will give us kind of a, a clearer picture about what it means to understand God's will, how, how we can decipher the voice of God and, and how we can maybe know what it is that, that God is calling us to do or maybe we need wisdom and decisions in our life and we want to know what, what God would have us do. I'm hoping tonight that um, we'll have some answers to that. So the first thing I want to, this first idea that I want to consider is this. God's will for our life is personalized. Like, God sees you. He sees us as individuals. He has a plan for his people as individuals. I mean, think about this. God created us the way he did for a reason. If God is sovereign, then we are the way we are, not by accident. We were born we were born, not by accident. We were born in the country we were born in, not by accident. We were born male or female, not by accident, right? If God's sovereign then he knew that he had a purpose in that. There's a reason that he created us with a brain. Because he expects us to use it. The fact that we have a mind, a will, desires, emotion, I can tell you that it is not by any cosmic accident that that took place. The fact that we're all different was done by God on purpose. And yet, God takes all of those unique things about us and our, and our lives into account when it comes to his plan for our lives. And so if you think about this, you as a person, you're an individual who was born in a specific place at a specific time to a specific family. You went through specific experiences in your life that led you to, you where, to where you are now. And in so God's sovereign plan, he saw of it, he foreordained all of it, Right? If we believe God is sovereign, Scripture pretty much tells us that that is true. See, to understand God's will, we need to believe that God knows, sees, and very much cares for us as individuals. You as an individual are important to God, and he has involved himself in every detail of your life since before you were ever even born. It's kind of hard to think about, isn't it? And yet, God's Word tells us in Psalm 139 and verse 16, Your eyes saw my, unso your, my unformed body all the days ordained were ordained for me before um, your book was even written, before any of them even came to be. Psalm 37 and verse 23 tells us, The Lord directs the steps of the godly, and He delights in every detail of our lives. And so when God sees you, he doesn't just see you as just some random person. He sees you as the individual that he created you to be, knowing exactly every experience that you would have up to this very point, to this day and minute that we sit here. And I can tell you that he has had a plan for your life since before you were ever born. And every single day that you have left in your life, God has a plan for you. But at the exact same time, he expects us to have a plan for our lives as well. Interesting. What I can tell you is this, when it comes to these questions like, God, what's my next step in my career or in ministry or family or marriage or education or finances or what do I do here or what do I do here? God cares, and that's important to understand. God cares, and, and he wants to give you 
insight and clarity on those decisions because this plan for you is personalized for you as an individual. Second idea is this. When it comes to understanding the will of God, in this, I'm going to hit the vast majority of my message on this point right here. God's will for our lives, for the most part, for the vast majority of our lives, has already been declared. In fact, we can know without a shadow of a doubt exactly what God's will is for probably, I'm just throwing a number out there, 98 to 99% of our existence from beginning to end. I'll read something I read this week. A little article um, that I found on the internet. It says, according to sources, local, a local man named Steve Harrison fervently prayed Thursday that the Lord would speak to him and make his will for that man's life clear. All while, all while sitting literally three feet away from God's word as revealed in his Bible. Father God, if you would just speak to me, Father God, Harrison prayed as God's word just sat at the end of the table at which he was seated. If you would just show me your plan for my life as revealed in your truth, Lord, he, he continued somehow missing the fact that God's truth had already been perfectly revealed to him in the scriptures. I just really need you to speak to me personally, Lord. All the while, the Bible was sitting right there. And at publishing time, sources had confirmed that a frustrated Harrison eventually gave up on trying to get God to speak to him and just finally picked up his Bible and started reading it. 98, probably to 99% of God's will for our life has already been clearly spelled out in the Bible. And what is interesting is that if Christians would focus on making sure that they were abiding by the 98 to 99% that was already declared, the 1 or 2% that's a mystery would come into view really clearly, really quickly. So when it comes to our hearts planning our way, can I tell you this? God has given us a guide to plan by. A man's heart plans his way. Can, I, can, can you guess what we should use as a roadmap to set a plan out for our life? Bingo. A man's heart planned his way, but the Lord directs his step. How do you think the Lord primarily directs the steps of his people? Today, anyways. Bingo. The Word of God. I am telling you, 98 to 99 percent of our life's wonders about God's will is plainly found if we would just open this up and read it. For instance, is it God's will that you be saved? If you're, if you're a person here that has never made a decision to follow Christ as your Lord and Savior, is it God's perfect will for your life for you to give your heart to Jesus Christ? Can I tell you with a 100% certainty that the answer to that question as revealed in God's word is an absolute yes. Second, or 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4 says God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. That is what God wants. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. God's desire for your life without any shadow of a doubt in my mind is for you to be saved. 
for you to believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to earth, lived a perfect life, went to a cross and died, was buried and raised three days later. Placing your faith in that, receiving him as your Savior and Lord, committing your life fully to him and receiving your salvation. That is God's will for your life. I guarantee it. You know what else I can tell you? It is God's will for us who are saved to go tell people about Jesus. Can I tell you that? Without, I mean, with 100% certainty, I can tell you God's will for your life is to go tell people about Jesus. Jesus said so. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, right? 2 Corinthians 5.20, we're Christ's ambassadors. He says, God's making his appeal through us for people to be saved. With absolute certainty, I can tell God's will for your life is to tell people about Christ. Here's what, I can, here's what else I can tell you. I can tell you that it is God's will with absolute certainty for you to grow in your knowledge of the truth and spiritual maturity as you walk with God. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can know the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. That's why we're supposed to mature, so we can gain knowledge of God's will. How do you think we gain spiritual maturity? Bingo. 2 Peter 3.18, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I can tell you that it's God's will for your life to get into this thing and read it and learn from it and conform your life to this and not to the patterns of this world because this is the only way you're going to find out what God's will is for your life. Here's what else I can tell you. God's will is for us to treat people kindly, to love people as we want to be loved, because Jesus said the two greatest commandments that were ever given were to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Do you think it's God's will that we love one another? They will know you, my disciples, by your love for one another. What's the golden rule? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's God's will for our life and every, everything with everybody that we deal with to show the love of Christ and to be kind. I can tell you that it is God's will for every single one of us to give our lives into sacrificial service to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Because Ephesians chapter 2 and verse says, 10 says that we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for the purpose of good works. God's will for your life is to submit your life to Him and serve Him in that some capacity. I can tell you that it is God's will for your life, whatever church you call home, to serve in because 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10 says that God has given each of you a gift from a great variety of spiritual gifts, so use them well to serve one another, he says. It's God's will. You get connected to a church and begin serving using the gifts God has given you. I can tell that it is absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, God's will that you have a time in your life where you pray. In fact, we should pray daily. In fact, we should, according to 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. It's God's will for your life to have a conversational relationship with him, as well as it's God's will for your life to be grateful and thankful in everything. Because 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. 
So no matter what it is you're dealing with in your life, the Bible says be thankful not in some things, not just the good things, be thankful in all things. As 1 Timothy says, godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. It's God's will for your life to be thankful. It's God's will for your life to be joyful. We know the Ten Commandments, right? That's God's will for your life. To serve Him only, to never make a graven image of Him, to never use His name in vain. Yes, even the fourth one, to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Well, that's for the Old Testament, folks. That's, ju that's just for the Israelites, right? Well, that would be so, except for Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. It says, do not neglect the meeting of, your, uh, of yourselves together, as is the pattern of some, but rather meet together and encourage one another even more so as the day of the Lord approaches. So is it, you think it's an important thing that we set a, time, a, a day, just, just one day out of our week to give God praise and worship, to meet together, to come, to rest, to focus on Him? Do you think that's God's will for your life still today? I can guarantee you that's God's will for your life still today. What about children? What, what's, what's God's will for your life as children when it's, say, relating to your parents? I don't know. Children obey your parents for this is what is right in the Lord. To respect them, to honor them. What about parents to their children? Well, Ephesians chapter, chapter 5 talks about that. How we're supposed to love our children or raise our children in the admonition of the Lord. What about husbands and wives? How do we, what's God's will for our life when it comes to one another? I don't know, but I'm pretty sure Ephesians chapter 5 says, Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. And just like he gave himself up for her, you give yourself up for her. And love her and sacrifice for her and treat her as the jewel that she is. I add that part, but it's in context. Guess what, wives? You're there too. What's God's will for your life in your marriage? To submit to your husband and everything. To respect him, to honor him. That's God's will for your marriage. It's obviously God's will because it says don't murder. We shouldn't murder. It's God's will that we shouldn't commit adultery. Or obviously we shouldn't steal. What about this, right? People have these questions like, well, you know, what should I do? Should I, should I work or should I just, should I just stay home? Let the government pay me. I don't know. Let's, let's, let's see what God's word says about it. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says, If a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. And this is specifically for the men. 1 Timothy 5.8, Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Is that specific enough for you? God's will. If you're a husband and a man and a father, guess what your job is? Go to work. Provide for your family. God's will for your life. Plan your life accordingly, right? So here's some questions. So, I mean, we have teenagers in here, and you're wondering, man, who, who am I going to marry someday? God, who should I even, who should I even date, right? Well, God probably won't give you the name, but here, here's what he will give you. 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Do not team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteous be a partner with the wicked? How can light live with darkness? The Bible says do not be unequally yoked. So if you're going to marry somebody someday, they need to be a Christian if you want God's will for your life. Right? Here's what else I could tell you. I know this is culturally relevant, but... Here's something else you should think about when you're looking for a partner. If you're a woman, make sure it's a man. And if you're a young man, make sure it's a young woman. 
Because contrary to cultural belief, as Mark chapter 10 and verse 6 says, God made people male and female from the beginning. You can feel whatever you want to feel, but it doesn't really matter. If your genome says you're a man, you're a man. If your genome says you're a woman, you're a woman, right? Whether you like it or not, it doesn't really matter. That's what you are because God's word hath declared that. Ephesians 5.31, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, not his husband. It is God's will equally as we think about this kind of context? Because again, culturally right now, our culture has everything so messed up. And if we want God's will, if we're going to plan our life according to what God's purpose is for us. We need to do things his way. Here's, here's something, First Thessalonians 4.3, God's will is for you to be holy to stay away from sexual sin. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5 tells us to put to death earthly things lurking within you have nothing to do with sexual immorality or impurity or lust or evil desires. If there's any question at all about any of those things, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10 cleared up pretty well. Do you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourself. Those who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheap people, these people will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those are just a few things. I mean, you literally, we could go on for hours. But those are just a few relevant things. When it comes to God's will, I'm telling you, 98% of what we're supposed to do, if we would just open this up and read it, we would know exactly what we are supposed to do. Because God's will has been made plainly clear for the vast majority of our lives. Now, I will agree that there are some areas of our life that we go, it's not really spelled out in here. So like, yeah, I get if I'm a young woman, I'm supposed to marry a young man, I'm supposed to be a Christian, right? Well, which one? Because there's a lot of fish in the sea. How do I figure this one out? It's a good question, right? What about stuff that's not completely clear in there, like, boy, I'm, I'm working, I'm doing what I'm supposed to as a man, but this job opportunity over here comes up, and God, should I take it or not? Or, boy, I, I'd really like to buy a house. Um, God, what should I do? Should I buy it? Should I not buy it? What do I do? Which one? I mean, these are relevant questions that we think about all the time, right? So when it comes to these things, how do we figure out that? If the Bible doesn't, doesn't like spell it out crystal clear for us in black and white like it does with the vast majority of things, how do we know what God's will is for those other things in our lives? Idea three is this. Finding God's will in the things that are not so clear in Scripture is a process that takes patience. A process that takes patience. And this process starts with us placing our faith in God's leadership over our life and accepting that his timing may not always be our timing. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Familiar passage. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your 
own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and guess what will happen? He will direct your path. He'll, he'll make your path straight, make it clear, whatever way, way you want to you say, right? So here, here's some steps, if you will, um, for, uh, for your life that I think are very, very scriptural. If you are in a situation where it, it's not a, pa- a matter of sin, it's not a matter of, boy, I don't really know what to do, uh, or it's, it's, it's not a matter of what's, what Scripture plainly says, but it's one of these things like Scripture doesn't speak on it perfectly, so God, how do I find out exactly what it is you want me to do? For starters, pray. And pray. And pray some more. That's where it starts. Pray and ask God for wisdom. James chapter 1 and verse 5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you, and he won't rebuke you for asking. God, you, you realize something? God wants us to come to him and ask. A man plans his way, but the Lord directs us. God wants his desires to direct our steps. And you know what the perfect, the perfect plan is? Is we plan our way, but first we say, God, I want to plan my way, but I want you to direct it, right? And that makes it easier, doesn't it? So how do we do that? Well, we seek the Lord. We seek his wisdom. I love Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. Like, whatever situation is in your life, whatever you're trying to figure out, whether a job or a life change or whatever this thing is, don't let it freak you out. Don't, don't let it stress you out. Be anxious for nothing. But what does this say? But in everything, pray with, by prayer and supplication. Supplication is like a, a deeper prayer. I mean, it's, it's like, it's not just a typical, now I lay me down to sleep prayer, right? It's, it's, it's deep, intentional prayer, many times accompanied by biblical fasting, where it's, we, we, we give up food for a day or two or a week or whatever that is, because we're giving up something to receive something from God, and, and so we are seeking the Lord. With thanksgiving, this is, let your requests be made known to God. Can I tell you something? When it comes to major decisions in our life, because them are the, generally the ones we're asking God about, right? I mean, we should be seeking God all the time for everything that we do. But generally speaking, when we think about this idea of God, what's your will, we're talking about major decisions in our life. Can I tell you something? It doesn't usually work that we get an answer in two minutes. It doesn't, you ever have God work that way? Very rarely. When it's a big decision, we, we, he wants us to seek him. Seek the Lord with all of your heart, and then you will find him. You know, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7 and 8 says, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you'll, and you'll find. Keep on knocking, the doors will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receive. Everyone who seeks, find. Everyone who knocks, the door will be open. And this is the idea that it's a continual day after day after day until you get an answer from the Lord. God, I'm going to seek you. I want your answer. I want clarity. And I'm not going to move, Lord, until you tell me to go. So we need to pray. Here's what else we can do. Ask yourself, what direction might the Bible give you? Even if Scripture doesn't plainly say, you need to marry George, what what does the Bible instruct you, right? Like, say say a job situation, right? If the Bible doesn't tell you exactly whether this is a yes or a no, like it, it could be okay either way, like what... Does the Bible give us anything? Think about this, right? So you have this job opportunity, but this job opportunity is going to pull you away from your family for a lot more hours than you probably would like. Yes, you're making more money. She could probably provide for them a little bit more, but it's going to keep you away for maybe days on end. You're not going to be as engaged in your family as you might want to be. 
Maybe there's something in Scripture that says that if you're going to be the, the man of your house that's going to raise your kids and type with your kids and love your kids and be engaged in your kids' life, just because you're making more money to put more toys in their pockets doesn't necessarily mean that's a good thing for your life. Because at this stage of the ballgame, if you're at home with kids, God wants you there. And so maybe, maybe it isn't God's will for your life. Maybe it is, but maybe it isn't. Another thing we could do is seek godly counsel. Ask people to pray for you. Proverbs eleven fourteen, where there is no guidance, the people fall, but in an abundance of counselors, there is victory. Proverbs 12 and verse 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Proverbs 15, 22, without consultation, plans are frustrated, but with many counselors, they succeed. It's good to, if, if you have a major decision in your life, you have a church for a reason. Find somebody you trust and talk to them. Tell them about it. Have them pray with you. Have them pray for you. Here's something else you should ask. Are there doors that God is opening or closing? Now, I, I will say this. This cannot be the thing we start with. This cannot be the thing that we only go by. Like, hey, there's an open door. That means God wants me to walk through. That is dangerous, dangerous territory. Because I tell, can I tell you something? Satan can open doors too. So just because a door is opened doesn't mean that God wants you to go through it. And just because it seems like a door might be closing doesn't mean that God still doesn't intend for you to walk through it. However, there are times that, because let's, let's just face it, it, it is opportunities in our life that go about that we go, huh, God, is this your will or not? If it wasn't for those opportunities, we probably wouldn't even consider it. So there is something to this open door, closed door thing, but don't let that be the only basis of your decision. I will say this as well. Allow yourself to believe that there are times that God wants to bless you with better things. You, you know, so, some people are like, some Christians that I know are like fatalists. Like, they, they don't, I mean, they believe that all God wants for me is sacrifice all the time, and I shouldn't have anything nice, I shouldn't be able to really enjoy life, because I shouldn't hold on to the treasures of this world, right? But can I tell you something? Sometimes God opens things just to bless you. Just to, just to answer a prayer that you've been praying about. Just to give you the desires of your heart. There are times in our life that God does that. Because we're made with the desires we have for a reason. And there are times that God wants to bless us because he loves us. Matthew 7 and verse 11. If you then, being evil, speaking of humans, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those ask him sometimes God opens doors in our lives just because he loves us and wants to bless us and I will say this as well understand this God's will doesn't always mean it's going to be gravy do you believe it's possible that, that God could call us to do things or direct us in certain directions in our life that will mean suffering or sacrifice or change that we really don't like. Do you think that's possible? I think so. I mean, it's, in fact, you see it all over the Bible. So, so we, we pray, we, we seek the scriptures to see what principles or instructions the Lord might give. We ask 
for other godly counsel. We're looking like, God, is this your door you're opening or door you're closing? But let me tell you the major thing that will help you understand if this is God's will or not. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind of Christ Jesus. We read verse 6 earlier. To be anxious for nothing but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the promise that follows says, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will go hard to guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. This is the number one, if you don't have peace in your heart, that God is absolutely okay with the decision that you're making, you should not proceed. Now, I mean that. Now, I will say this too. I, I think as Christians, we can overthink it sometimes. And, and sometimes, a man plans his way and God expects us to. Like, we think about, like, buying a house, right? So, Okay, God, I want to buy a house. I feel like I'm supposed to buy the house, but do I buy the house for 120000 or do I buy the house for 160000 Because I really like this one over here, but if I have this one, I don't know, maybe, I, what's your will, God? Can I tell you there's sometimes that I don't think God cares? And, and I don't mean that flippantly. Here's what I mean, right? Would God be happy if you bought the $160,000 house you really, really like, as long as you could afford it, as long as it's not going to, you know, bring extra stresses in your life and you're not overextending yourself and you know you're, you're being obedient in all the other areas of your life you're supposed to because one of the other things about God's will is making sure that you're tithing to a local church and you know what I mean and so often we get so extended in our life the church gets the leftovers God gets the leftovers you know Malachi chapter four or five you know why do you rob God that whole thing right so you know if, if you have everything in your life in order and you can afford a $160,000 house, get it. Or if you want the $120,000 house, you have an extra 60 or 70 bucks a month, you can go spend it at Starbucks, do it that way. I don't care. I don't think God does either, to be honest with you. And I, and I really mean that. I'm like, some Christians are like, okay, God, do I buy the blue car or the green one? Like, like, really, there, there's some things that I don't think that, that we need to be, like, stressing ourselves out over. Just, just make a choice. God expects us to make a choice. But, here, anyway, I, I got to move on because we're running out of time. Last point is this. God's will for our life is progressive. Meaning, it is found over the course of our lives as time goes on. God does not tell us every detail of our life before it gets there. I want to read you a quick story that I read this week out of this, this website, website called gotquestions.org. This is what it says. We, we often become impatient and wondering what God's plan is for our lives. But it is not as complicated as we make it out to be. God's plan for us is revealed uh, a little at a time as we follow him. And his plan may look different in different seasons of life. And then he gives this story. A young woman may ask God to direct her to his plan and believes college is a part of that plan. But halfway through college, she falls ill and must spend the next two years in a convalescent home. Is she now out of God's plan? None of her heart is set to obey him. 
in that convalescent home, she meets a young man who becomes her husband. They both love the Lord and desire to serve him and believe that his plan for them is to be on the mission field. They begin preparing. But halfway through their training, she becomes pregnant with a high-risk pregnancy. Did they miss God's plan? Has the Lord abandoned them? Not at all. Because of their experience caring for a child with special needs, they are able to minister to other families with similar needs. Their mission field looks much different from the one they had envisioned, but it, is God, it, it was God's plan all along for them. They're able to look back now and see his hand at every turn. And he goes on to say, God's plan is rarely a straight shot to a visible goal. His plan requires of us a journey. And that journey may be filled with detours, sudden stops, and confusing turns. But if our hearts are set to obey him in all that we know to do, then we will be at the center of his will every step of the way. So we were talking in a Bible study this week um, with Cassie and Tyler. It's just, it's, just, it's interesting what that God had led me to this message before Bible study ever happened, but we, we, we begin this conversation, like, you know, when we read the Bible, because what, one of the things that I, I mean, I think about as a Christian, and is like, God, will, will you ever call me to do something, like, major? Will you ever call me out to do something big, like, that makes some huge, massive impact on your kingdom, right? And, and we think this way because we read stories like Noah, we, we read stories like Abraham. We read stories like Gideon. But you realize that what we read is a tiny snippet of their life. Like, for instance, Enoch, Old Testament guy, lived 365 years. Here's, here's what we know about Enoch in Scripture. It says this, Enoch walked with God... And then God took him. And yet, he was in the Hebrews chapter 11, faith chapter, as like one of the heroes of the faith. What did he do in his life? He walked with God. That's it. Like, he took the 98, 99% of what he knew, and he lived every single day for the glory of God. And you know what? God was absolutely so pleased with him that the dude didn't even have to die. God just took him straight to heaven. Wow. What about Noah? Like, what's, what's Noah known for? Building the what? Come on, I'll get interactive. Building the ark. The guy lived 960 some odd years. And we see a tiny snippet of it. He, he lived like, what, 500 some years, something like that, before the flood ever came? Guess what he did in those 500 some years? got me. The only thing I know about it is what Hebrews tells us, or not Hebrews, like a Peter, it says that he was a preacher of righteousness. Hebrew, Genesis chapter 6 tells us God was about to destroy the whole world, but that he saw one faithful man that was living for him, Noah. He just lived his life for the Lord. He, he did the 98% that he knew he was supposed to do, and he just lived his life for the Lord, and he was commended for it. Abraham, guy lived a long time too. Why do we commend, commend him so much? Well, Hebrews cha or Genesis chapter 12. Go find this land, I'm going to show you. Okay, Lord, I'm going to go. What else did he do? Like, what other major thing did, did, did Abraham do? He just lived his life for the Lord. He, he lived the 98% of his life that he knew and just lived it and trusted God with the rest. 
Can I tell you something? This is the way God works. If, if, can I tell you this? If, if Noah was not living the 98% the way he was supposed to, do you think that, that God would have called him to build the ark? Had Abraham not been a man that was faithful to the Lord, do you think that he would have called Abraham? No? Probably not. Here's where a man plans his way. We plan our way according to the Word of God, according to the 98% we know. We are living our life. We're doing all the things that we're supposed to do. We're trying to abstain from all the things we're not supposed to do. And here's what happens. In our faithfulness, God intersects our lives, and then he calls us to do something. We shouldn't sit and wonder, God, what's it going to be? God, what's it going to be? Let's just do what we know we're supposed to do. And God is going to be happy with this. And in fact, that's going to be what opens up the bigger things. And let's just be honest. If God would reveal everything that he wants to do through us today, it would probably scare the living bejeebers out of us. Take Gideon, for instance. Gideon, you're going to lead my army against this Midianite army of like 120,000 people. I don't know, Lord. Well, the short version is he ends up with like tens of thousands of, old, of his own soldiers. It's like two to one, but hey, we got a chance. We're, we're tough, right? Well, by the end of it, guess what happens? There's 300 of them against an army of 120,000. Do you think that Gideon would have said, yes, Lord, in the wine press, had he known that he was going to face a 120,000 soldier army with 300? Uh-uh. God's will is progressive in our life. We come to know it as we live our life out in faithfulness. And as we are living our life, doing the 98%, God will open up doors. And he will show us, and yes, we go through this process of, of prayer and seeking godly wisdom and all these different things, but we shouldn't stress out about the 2% we don't know. Let's follow the 98% that we do and live our lives for his glory. Because I can tell you, let me tell you something. If we live out the 98%, we will have many, 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 many crowns in heaven. When we get to heaven, if we just do the 98%, he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Because if we do what we're supposed to do, we are walking as Christ walked. Loving people, loving our neighbors, loving God, spreading the message of the gospel, leading our lives in a sacrificial offering to the Lord. That's what the 98% is all about. And if we do that, God is absolutely pleased. But in the rest, guess what? It's going to be clear when the time comes. And just trust Him when it does. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. And Lord God, it really is, a, is, a, is an interesting thing to talk about when, it talk, when we talk about your will. And yet, Lord God, it's, for the most part, pretty clear. And, and God, I just pray, God, that if there's any challenge that comes tonight that people would understand that your will for our lives is found in your word which means we got to open it up we got to read it Lord God this life isn't easy it's hard it's it comes with many challenges but God with you leading us Father we can have victory so God through every through every for, 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 for every road we travel, God, for every crossroad we come to, God, let us keep our eyes upon you, looking always to you as the, our Lord, our Savior, the one who is desiring to lead us, desiring to walk with us. God, let us, let us look to you and let us trust you every single step of the way.
And God, through that, use us to, to build your kingdom and to bring you glory. Father God, I love you. We thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.